Hey church family, welcome back to another Leroy UMC podcast. So this week we're continuing in a series titled Live Gratefully. Generosity changes the giver and is perhaps more of a blessing to the giver than the receiver. Being generous is something we were designed to do, even physically as our minds release dopamine when we give. And when we do it with gratitude, we come to see our life itself as a gift to be received. Let's send it over to Pastor Matthias. Amen. Oh, friends, this morning we are continuing with our November worship series, uh, Live Gratefully. As we've talked about each Sunday, the, the idea for this series is that November as a month and November as a season is kind of an odd season. It's a month of opposites. On the one hand, we give thanks for gathering everyone around the table, all of our blessings, and on the other hand, it's a month of increased spending. We have Black Friday, Cyber Monday. There's all kinds of different, I guess, a lot of different buying and spending that starts picking up in November. And so this series is all about trying to address both of those two, I guess, both of those parts of this strange season and also to try and remind ourselves that gratitude is ultimately one of the most central principles of the Christian life, that in a season of buying and spending, Christians are called to be grateful uh, for all that we have, for all of life. And so each Sunday, we've been taking a look at four principles, four things that you need in order to live gratefully. We looked at contentment, being content with what we have. We talked last Sunday about perspective, knowing what it is that we have. Uh, generosity, number three, being a blessing with what we have. And finally, next Sunday, we'll talk about rest, being able to enjoy the life we've been given as a gift. Uh, and so this morning, number three, we are taking a look at generosity. What does that mean? And just to go ahead and answer the question, no, this is not the Sunday where I say that uh, I'd like you to contribute to my private jet fund because I need to fly around the country for ministry. Uh, but taking a look at what does it mean to be generous as Christians, uh, our reading comes from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, uh, chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. Friends, listen now for the word of the Lord. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever." And now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Lord of grace and truth, if this message speaks your truth and points to your grace, then Lord, let it be heard and let it be remembered by someone here. But Lord, if this message does not speak your grace or your truth, then let it be forgotten in an instant. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever noticed how sometimes our giving is another form of wanting? It doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen in all kinds of ways, usually without our even knowing it. Sometimes it happens when we give in order to get a certain recognition or praise. Think about the person who makes a big donation to their alma mater or to that hospital because they know that if they give X amount of dollars, they'll get a room or a wing or a building named after them. Or think about the person who gives to the big holiday fundraiser at the office because they know that if they're the top giver, the boss will see it and might notice them. Or at the very least, everyone will think so-and-so is so generous. Other times it happens when we give in order to feel a certain way about ourselves. Maybe we hand a few extra dollars to someone on the corner and somewhere in the back of our minds a little voice whispers, well, I may not be perfect, but at least I have things more under control than that person. Or maybe we catch ourselves just assuming, you know, I'm an important person. I matter because from that person on the corner to that charity, there are so many people who depend on me to provide for them. Or sometimes it happens when we are just outright encouraged to give because we're told that if we do so, then we'll get more stuff, get more money in return. Think about all the televangelists with shiny teeth and big smiles who tell us that if we send them a big donation, God will reward us by sending us more money in return. Maybe the televangelist even quotes Paul in 2 Corinthians, that passage, and says, if we sow generously, then we'll reap generously. So send that check today to fund my private jet and show your faith. From expecting to get recognition, a status boost, or praise, to expecting a certain feeling, to sometimes expecting to get more stuff, we live in an age in which giving is sometimes another form of wanting. And when we are tempted to give in order to get. But far from being a modern phenomenon or a modern-day problem, giving in order to get is actually the way that most ancient religions worked. In just about every ancient society across the globe, from Mesopotamia to Mesoamerica, if you wanted something, if you wanted to be successful, to be healed, to be rich, whatever it was, the way that you sought it or went after it was by going to the local temple, making your request, and offering an appropriate sacrifice to Zeus or Athena or Marduk or Isis or whoever in order to get it. 
In other words, in most pre-Christian ancient societies, religion was essentially a system of exchange. You gave something good to the gods in order for the gods to give something good to you. And even though we sometimes like to think that we've put the ancient world behind us, the truth is that's still how some people in our modern advanced world think about charity, about generosity, as a means of getting something more that we want. It's a way of thinking about giving that goes all the way back to the beginning and which is still alive and well. And every picture that we see of someone giving a giant check so that you know how generous they are or in the prosperity gospel, praying on people's desperation in order to pay for mansions. But giving in order to get what we want ultimately is not what Paul had in mind in that letter he wrote to the Corinthians. Contrary to what some televangelists might say, 2 Corinthians 9.6 is not a get-rich scheme. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously is not Paul's way of saying you got to give money in order to get money. Now, far from that, to be Frank Conartist's interpretation of this passage, what Paul is really trying to do in this famous or infamous passage is to draw his audience's attention, draw our attention to the fact, well, to the fact that, well, in a world that wants more and more, we so often forget that giving changes us. In fact, you could argue that giving is something that changes the giver a lot more than it changes the receiver. Someone might get a little support, an item, some food, something that will help for a little while, but the giver finds a new sense of worth, a new perspective, a new mission to be a part of, a new satisfaction, a new thrill, a new joy that affects them long after the giving is over. That's the thing about giving that so many people today sometimes tend to forget. People forget that giving isn't about getting something. Giving is about becoming something. That's the strange thing about generosity for Paul and the strange thing about generosity all throughout the Bible. We do, in fact, get something in return when we are willing to give our time, our talents, and our resources to causes, ministries, and things that are greater than us. But it's not the money, the praise, the fame, the importance that we want to get back it's the change that we really need. Paul expects that when we give generously, we will get a real chance to represent God Almighty, to be God's blessing in the life of someone who really needs a miracle. As Paul put it in verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion to someone. 
And by the way, if that sounds familiar, that's because that's the promise God made all the way back at the beginning of all of this in Genesis to Abraham. The promise, I will bless you so that through you all people will be blessed in time. It's a promise that runs all throughout Scripture, the Old and the New Testaments. God promises to bless us so that we can be a blessing. We have things, time, talent, resources, not just for us, but for them. We have so that we might have the chance to become God's own hands, doing incredible things in the lives of others. And when we give, Paul expects us to get that chance. Paul expects that when we give generously, we'll get a new sense of meaning, a new sense of purpose that we can't normally get from the world around us, something that can fill our lives. There's a quote from the great playwright George Bernard Shaw that I love and that I think sums up Paul's reason for giving and for generosity better than maybe anything else. Shaw once wrote, this is the true joy in life, the being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one, the being thoroughly worn out before you are thrown on the scrap heap, the being a force of nature instead of a feverish selfish little clod of ailments and grievances complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. The world may be filled with people who only know how to complain and how to want, but Paul knows that Christians are different because Christians know what it means to be used up to be spent, to be consumed by unimaginable causes, by grand missions, by sweeping visions of a better life. Christians know how to find meaning by becoming a part of something bigger than themselves. And when we give, Paul expects us to catch a glimpse of that purpose and that vision, whatever it might be. Paul expects that when we give generously, we will get new understanding, understand the story of the person we're helping, that we'll get new kindness, new patience, new compassion, new excitement, new energy. But above all, maybe more than anything else, when we give generously, Paul expects that we will get joy. Believe it or not, we are actually hardwired to find satisfaction, to find a sense of joy in serving, in giving. Research studies have even found that giving a donation to some cause that excites us or being able to help someone in need actually releases dopamine in our mind and leaves us feeling good. We are quite literally made by God to find joy in giving and to find joy in becoming a cheerful giver. And when we give, Paul knows we can get that joy too. In the end, that is the kind of generosity that so many people sometimes miss 
But the good news is that is the kind of generosity that our God imagines. God doesn't imagine churches of people who are generous out of some sense of begrudging obligation or reluctance or who give because they think the person next to them is watching when the passing plate comes by. I've been in the pews. I know we've all had that thought before. But God's dream is having servants who give to great causes because they want to be part of incredible things. God wants followers who care for the most vulnerable among us because they know that Christ has said, whatever you've done for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you've done for me. And they are thrilled to have the chance to reach out and give their Savior a meal, a coat, anything. God imagines donors who give because it fills them, it moves them, lifts them, and leaves them with a sense of satisfaction, of purpose, and of joy they never knew before. God dreams of cheerful givers who give not to get more of what they want, but to become someone different, someone new. We do live in an age in which sometimes giving is another form of wanting and in which we are tempted to give in order to get. We're headed into a season when sadly that will be the angle or the invitation that we might get from some sources, some stores, this or that. But the thing is, when we give in joy, when we give for the right reason, when we give to make an impact, when we give in faith, then we might just find that the real good news is that giving isn't about getting something. It's about becoming someone someone who's more satisfied because you know the incredible causes that you get to be a part of with every bit of yourself that you share, becoming someone who is more joyful because you felt the thrill of being able to be God's hands in someone else's life, and in the end, becoming someone who is more grateful because you understand that life is a gift. And it is a gift that is meant to be used and spent in such unbelievable joy. So this week, I have a new challenge for you. Each week this month, we've not only talked about some principle of living gratefully, but we've put out some kind of a challenge to help us live a little bit more gratefully. And so this week, to help us live with a little bit more generosity and with a little bit more joy, I would encourage or I would challenge you this week to find some way every single day to give. You could buy a bunch of McDonald's gift cards, and every single day when you pass that 
person on the corner who you know is going to be there, you could give them a McDonald's gift card and help them get a meal each day. You could buy a shampoo bottle every day and give it to Home Sweet Home, drop it off here. You could give to that hospital, to the school. You can give to our ministries, whatever it is that you want to give to, whatever it is that fills your heart and your soul, I would challenge you every single day this week to find some way to give. Because in the end, God loves seeing people blessed in order to be a blessing. God loves seeing those who are generous in order to reap generously with their lives. And in the end, God loves a cheerful giver who becomes joyful as they learn to give a little bit of joy to others. And thanks be to God for it. Amen. Friends, please pray with me. Holy God, in this season, may you overcome all of our wants all of our plans, all of our ambitions. And Lord, may you help us to give that we might become yours. Lord, show us the great causes that you call us to be a part of, the missions and ministries that can make us into your hands. Show us the lives that we get to change. Lord, help us to reach out, to give our time to missions that will use every minute for your kingdom. Help us to serve with our talents in ways that spend us up for your will. And Lord, help us to find joy as we learn to give ourselves to you in all the ways that we give ourselves away. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Again, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you are blessed and that you are a blessing. Go in peace.